One more time. Thank you, Lord. We ask for the spirit of revelation. I don't presume to know anything or be able to do anything. So I'm asking you to help me and want me to teach your word in a manner that encounters our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd even this morning, you'd even break mentalities, break strongholds. Draw us into the knowledge of you. Father, draw us in to the knowledge of you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, two thoughts just on the top of my mind right now. The, the whole of life, the whole of this Christian life, everything is obedience because of love. Obedience because of love. So often people are like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to fall in love and then do anything God wants to do. Like, it's that simple. Well, I need a vision and I need a plan and I need a strategy. Nope. You need to fall in love and then just ask him what he wants to do. The knowledge of God and his love, that's the main thing you have to know in life. Everything else is details. Honestly, it's all details. I had a pastor, he's a pastor of several thousand member church from Alabama, came visit me, sat in my office. And, uh, you know, at that time, I think the house of prayers, maybe, you know, four or 500 people. And, and we're like 10 years in or something. And he's like, man, how are you doing? I go, not much changes. You know, it's day in and day out, but just in his presence, just loving him. And, um, and, and he's like, so, so what's the Lord saying? I go, I, you know, right now he's just, he's just drawing us more closely to his heart. And we're just trying to draw people into that. And he, he just got this strange look on his face. This guy's been in ministry 25 years. He's on TV. He, he just goes, you're the most confident leader I know. I went, I am. He goes, he goes, yeah. I go, no. I, 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 don't, I don't feel like that. He goes, no, no, no. What I mean is you're confident in your own skin. And I, and I said, okay, break that down for me. He goes, I don't really know much more than that. But he goes, when I'm around you, I get such a sense that you're just at peace. Like you're not trying to figure out all these 25 things that so many of these pastors that I'm with are always trying to figure out about how to get one step up. And he goes, I need to ask you why. Why are you like that? And I, I just sat there. I never even thought about it. Didn't think of myself as Mr. Uber confident. I feel pretty much just at the mercy of God. Like <laughs> whatever he wants, that's it. And then that clicked for me. I went, oh, that's why. Uh, I, I think the point is I'm confident in the love of God. I know he loves me. I'm loved by God and I'm a lover of God. And that is my success in life. Nothing else speaks my value or success to me. 
I, my, my success isn't based on the size of my ministry, how much social media imprint I have. My success is not based on you know, any of that stuff. My success is based on this very simple thought. I am loved and I am a lover. Because being loved by God is the pinnacle of all creation. It's the highest height of all creation, being loved by God. God is the most high, yes? He's the most high. He, he's, he's the mountaintop of all existence, right? He, he's God. He's forever, from forever to forever. He's ne- never was a time when he wasn't. He's infinite in every attribute. He's, I mean, he's majestic, wonderful, and he is all love. And I have his affections. I have his favor and his affections. I am loved by God and I love him back. This is my success. This is it. I'm, that's, that's 100% of my confidence in this life. If our ministry folded tomorrow, if, I mean, if... <laughs> You know, and all hell broke loose. At the end, you know, once I got my emotions back under control, my, my foundational rudder would be this. God loves me. He loves me. This is the one thing I know. He loves me. I love him. I'm successful. Doesn't matter who else likes me. Doesn't matter who, you know, doesn't like me, says bad stuff about me on the internet. It does, none of that matters. God loves me. I'm so thankful to be loved by God. And so sitting there with that pastor realizing there's so many, even in ministry, so many leaders even that are not confident in the love of God. They're not confident in the love of God. And I'm telling you, it's everything. It's everything in this life. I'm fully confident in the love of God. If God, that means this, if God wants me to do something, he's gonna make it super, super clear to me. He's an awesome leader. I'm a terrible follower. He's an amazing leader. He literally calls me a sheep. He's a good shepherd. I'm a sheep. I'm not good at following, but he's awesome at leading. I'm very confident that if he wants me to do something, he will make it so clear to me. I don't have to try to figure it all out. I don't have to strategize. I'm not like trying to come up with a new plan to to make God awesome. He's already awesome. He's awesome. If I love him, I'm confident in his love and leadership in my life. It's as simple as that. And that's what that guy was talking about. The whole of life is obedience and love. We don't, we don't ultimately do stuff for God. We do things with him. Fall in love and then he invites you to do stuff with him. It's awesome. I've gotten to do more crazy stuff in this life. The stuff I never dreamed of. Been all over the place. Talk to wild people. Just mind-boggling experiences. I'm not, even that, I'm not even good at sightseeing. Had all these opportunities to go like sightsee stuff that I didn't even, it's just bonuses. Stuff that I never dreamt of. And uh, it's just because I'm just saying yes to his love. Like, okay, whatever you want to make of me. And that's really the bottom line to your life. Whatever the father wants to make of you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's not going to hurt you. You can trust him. You can be confident in that. You can rest in that. I don't have to get up in the morning trying to figure out how to make my life happen. Nope. I get up in the morning. There's one singular reason why I get out of bed in the morning. One singular reason. 
Because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, I mean, being loved doesn't make it not hard. Life is hard. This, this age is hard. It's full of trials, full of challenges. There's sufferings. There's difficulties. But there's one reason that I'm able to get out of bed in the morning, ever, even when things are bearing down on me. And uh, it's because he loves me. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Even though I am radically radical about my love for my wife, I am so head over heels with that woman. I, it's just not fair how much I love her. <laughs> I'm like, I love you more than you love me. She's like, no. I'm like, I do. I'm like Mr. Fatal Attraction guy. But not really, but almost. But almost. Really. Anyway, so, but, I, but she's not even compelling enough. She's not even compelling enough to live all my days for. Only the love of God. And man, I, I, you know, there's been many days in the last 20 years I've thought, I don't want to do this. This is hard. Why do I want to keep doing this? And I'll be laying there just like, Ugh. and then I remember, oh yeah, you love me. You love me. Yeah, you love me. Yeah, I can do this. I can do love. I can do love. Offer me money, offer me position, offer me fame, platform. None of that compels me. It just, ultimately, it all wears out. And most people don't, don't know that that stuff is, is pale because they think, you know, they live their lives trying to attain those things, thinking it will satisfy. But when you touch it a little bit, you go, oh, this is nothing. I remember, you know, getting on this. I, I, I had this huge platform with uh, the governor of Texas. There was five ministers that were invited to this platform, 30,000 people, all the media was there. CNN carried it, huge platform. We did this giant meeting in Houston. And I was one of five people uh, that got to actually share. The governor of Texas was one of them. And some of y'all will know Tony Evans, who's got a mega, mega ministry. Was like He was right after me. And uh, it was the highlight of my life ever. Tony Evans asked me the, the Bible verse I used. He goes, hey, what was that verse? I was like, hey. hi, Tony Evans. <laughs> Did you just ask me, Tony Evans, to quote the Bible to you? Because he's like this massive Bible teacher guy. Uh, but I get off that platform, and, and I'm, this is where it gets so clear. I'm with my buddy, and, um, and my buddy's one of the leaders at IHOP KC, and, uh, and we're, in, we're gonna go into this governor's reception. There's 500 people invited to this governor's reception. And uh, we're, we're waiting in this, this lobby area, waiting to go into this governor's reception. And I have people I do not know, and they are literally stuffing their business card in my, in my pocket. And they're coming and talk, putting their arms around me. Hey, da, 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 da. <laughs> like, and, and what they don't know is I'm nobody. But all of a sudden, it got so clean and clear in my mind. They think that platform makes something of makes me something that I'm not. They have no idea. I sit in a prayer room and talk to a God I can't see all day. This is hilarious. But I walk off that platform. Here's all these people sharking for me, trying to get my whatever, my contact information, trying to schmooze me. I literally had politicians going, hey, there's a bill that I've got coming out. We'd really love to get your support for it. I was like... Do you know? You don't. You really don't want my support. You don't know anything about me, and you really don't want my support. Um, 
but I literally, it, was, it, just, it wasn't that I was on that platform for ambition at all, um, but when I came off the platform, I thought, none of these people know I'm the same guy that walked up on the platform. I'm the same guy when I came off the platform. I, I'm nobody. You see what I'm saying? The platform doesn't make you. The position doesn't make you. The sphere doesn't make you. Shaking the governor's hand doesn't make you, or shaking the president's hand doesn't make you. Getting the invite to the Oval Office doesn't make you. I've got dear friends who've been in the Oval Office, and I'm like, that's really interesting, because it doesn't make you. What makes you is you're loved by God. It's the pinnacle. And you already have that. You already have that. Everything else is details. It's all details. Little, little details, minor issues. All right, Ephesians 1. Let's look at this. Such a critical passage. All right, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame or blameless before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. Hmm. All right, let's just work through this phrase by phrase. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who chose us in him before time began. I love to think about this. So the Father, before he makes the universe, the stars, the sun, the moon, before he makes time, all right, he's actually... He's actually thinking about you. That idea of people say, well, my parents told me I was a mistake. No, couldn't be, impossible. Because God's been thinking about you since before time began. Now, I'll just give you a passage that you can write down on your own and look at it later. It's Proverbs 8. And in Proverbs 8, what you have is you have wisdom um, being explained, being personified. And many, many scholars, uh, they see that personification as wisdom as a picture of the Father and Jesus. And it talks about before the foundation of the world that he says, wisdom says, I was daily his delight. We were rejoicing in one another. That's what Proverbs 8 describes. And... Uh, and then, and then it, it says, and his delight was with the sons of men. And, and what, the, what the concept is, is this. That before God even creates time, he's still there. He's from forever, right? So he's from forever. He's eternal. He's been from forever. He is to forever. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And so in this existence before there's time. I call it the time before time began, which there wasn't any, but it works. So in this time before time began, there's God. 
And you think, what is God doing? What's he doing in the time before time again? What he's doing is he's rejoicing in the Son and rejoicing in the Spirit. Okay? So Holy Spirit, Jesus the Son, and the Father, the Holy Trinity, in perfection, in love, and rejoicing in one another. That's what the, the Proverbs 8 tells us. Okay? And you can look at it, read on your own. And so it's interesting because your chosenness comes out of that place of divine delight. So here's the thing about God. He's really hard to fake out because he's never had a new idea. Every idea he's ever had has been from forever. He doesn't come up with new thoughts. But I, for our purposes, for understanding, because our minds don't, our minds go to the limit of what we are and then we, then there's God. But I imagine it this way, that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are enjoying one another within the Godhead. Perfect love, perfect pleasure, flowing back and forth in that, in that place of, of, you know, glory and, and majesty within the Godhead, totally enjoying one another. And it's from that place that God gives the idea. Let us create man in our own image and likeness. And in that moment in the mind of God, again, theologically it doesn't exactly work because it always starts from forever, but in that place of perfection is where you're actualized. You're actualized there. In that place of delight. Before he ever makes time, he thinks of you. Now this is huge. Because now we understand actually the purpose for the universe. Because God creates time in order to have a capsule to put matter, space. Creates this orb called time. Inside of time, he begins to create and make matter. That matter, he forms into a universe. 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. Each galaxy with 100 billion stars, just like our star, our sun. So a potential 100 billion solar systems in 100 billion galaxies in the known universe. He makes all of that. He makes our star. He makes our solar system. He makes our planet with our ecosystem. With this perfect replenishing deal. But why is he making all that? Because he's already chosen you. And he wants to put you somewhere to live. He makes all of it, time, the universe, the galaxies, the solar systems, our solar system, our star, our planet. Why? Because he wants to actualize you as a living being. Not only a spiritual being, but a physical being. Having both properties together. He, he creates you in this place called Earth, in this this whatever you want to call it, this zone called the natural, 
Because he wants you to have expression in this place and and expression in the heavens. He wants you to have a fullness of expression that embodies all that he is. All of the creation is ultimately a result of him choosing you before time. He had to have a place for you. I just think, man, God, humanity is staring into the stars trying to figure out what they're doing there. And the Lord put it in the scripture because the heavens declare the glory of God. He needed to put you in a theater by which you would stare up and go, it's big. He goes, you have no idea how big it is. You don't have any idea how big I am. And I put you here because I've been thinking about you from forever. That's what's real for you today. The Father has been thinking about you from forever. He chose you before time began. I mean, I, when I sit under that, I just go, this is the best. You're the best. This is the best. I'm so glad I'm alive. Picked by God. Chosen by God. I like to say, it's there in the notes, you're the dream of God from eternity past. And then he says that we should be holy. I love this. And so often we go, see, I knew it. He picked me because of a false understanding of holiness, he picked me to put me in a straitjacket. He wanted to handcuff me and make me do everything he wants me to do. He goes, no, 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 no. Holiness and love and purity all go together. Love is pure. Love is holy. He goes, I wanted to take of my very nature and clothe you in it. I don't want you just to be subject to, you know, the adversary and, and clothed in rags and, and you know, subject to abuse and sin and damage. No, no, no. I chose you that you would be a partaker of my very nature. I'm going to robe you in righteousness. I chose you that you'd be holy. This is not about a straitjacket. This is about liberty. This is about glory flowing through you at the highest measure. This is about glory transforming your frailty into, into infinite you know, strength. It's, it's about your, your uh, temporary putting on the eternal clothes. We're going to be glorified. When, we, when Jesus returns, the scripture's clear, we'll meet him in the air. And in a moment, in a twinkling eye, we will be changed. And our mortal will put on immortality. And this which is temporary, it is going to become eternal. And what happens is this. The very glory of God will be woven through every fiber of our being. And we will be able to not simply interface with the earth. We'll be able to interface with the heavens. We will seamlessly be able to walk back and forth into all of God's creation. We're only seeing from this side of the mirror. In a second, we'll be able to walk right through. It's Narnia. Narnia is about to happen. I'm telling you, we're about to step right in. And we're going to be able to go back and forth. It's going to be beautiful. But here's the, here's the bigger point. He's going, to, he's going to web you with glory so that you can interface with him without a veil. Right now, he keeps us behind the veil so he doesn't destroy us. Moses goes, I want to see your face. He goes, I'll kill you. If you look at me in that form, you'll die. 
In a moment, we see, uh, for now we see through a glass darkly. In a moment, it'll be face to face. What is that about? That's about him choosing you from before time began that you would be holy. He, he wants to clothe you with himself. The beauty of holiness. Beauty and holiness are synonymous. What the world has called beauty is false beauty. So much of this existence is this, it's sort of this cosmic beauty pageant. Satan going, this is beautiful. And God goes, no, no, no. I define beauty. And the world is being deceived into a false beauty and entrapped with, with false pleasure. Meanwhile, God goes, pleasure is in me. Beauty is in me. And that's why he calls us into hol- to be holy. That we could know beauty. And we could know pleasure. Your frame is made to long for beauty. That's why when you see something dramatic, like a cool you know, uh, uh, sunset, you go, whoa. You see, you know, 4th of July, wow. Or you see something, a mountain range. Or you see a baby. You know, you go, wow. That, that's hardwired in you because you... You have a frame that's made for beauty. Why? Because beauty in God, he defines beauty. He defines beauty. Beauty doesn't define him. He's the definition of beauty. God is. So when you stare at God, boom, beauty is going to fill you in a way that you've never even conceived of. I, I say it this way. All your pleasure centers, your desires for pleasure, beauty, wonder, awe, they're all going to pin to 10. The scale is going to go when you see him, he chose you to be before him. I mean, to be holy, uh, that we should be blameless. And this is so beautiful. God, the father, never wanted you to live in shame. He never wanted you to live in fear or shame. He didn't ever want you to look into his eyes and feel like I'm lesser than He's, I, I want you to be without blame. This is the cross. This is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus lifts you from being the accused to being innocent, fully blameless. And th- this is the shock of even our redemption. It's that you were guilty, you were in jail, and it's not just that you were forgiven. Hey, we're going to let you out. We know you're a murderer, but we're going to let you out. You're forgiven? No, that's not it at all. It's actually another guy came in and he's the murderer and we've got video of it. And you're like, how? He's taking your place. You get his innocence. You're innocent. No, no, I'm in jail. I'm a murderer. He goes, you're innocent. He's the murderer. He literally lifts your guilt, puts it on himself and puts his innocence upon you. That's what blameless is. You're without blame before the Father. And just think about it. Now, when you look at God, when you're you're coming close to the Lord and your eyes are closed and you're looking at the Father, when you're looking at his face, are you able to look without a sense of shame, free from shame, no shame? 
Because that shame is an intruder and it's a, it's a false reality. It's not the truth of who you are before. The blood of Jesus enables you to stand without shame, without blame. You literally can stare into his eyes without any kind of sense of an internal dissonance. This is what the Father's purpose is for you. I just wonder, if Jesus walked in the room, if he walked physically, visibly in the room, fire coming off of him, glory coming off of him, like it's like ah, whirlwindy in here, and he looks up at you and looks in your eyes, what do you, like, what's your first reaction? Is it locked on steady gaze? Or is it Song of Solomon 1? She says, I, I, don't look at me, I'm dark. Because he made you to look right into the eyes of fire. You're, you have in redemption now the gift to be able to stare into the eyes of fire, Jesus Christ himself, without one shred of shame, without one shred of this is wrong. He's made you blameless. From before time began, he chose you that you'd be holy, clothed in beauty, blameless. Flip. And I love this. Before him. Before him. I used to think I'd go to church in the morning, and by the afternoon I'd think, well, God's tired of me, so I'll just go do something else. I literally used to think that. Leaving church, I'd be like, well, I guess he's, he's tired of being with me. It was just a false image that I projected upon God from father figures in my life. He made you to be with you. That you'd be before him. That before him literally means face to face. That you would be right here. He wants you right here all the time. When my kids were born, and we were talking about this yesterday in section coordinator. Because two of our section coordinators are pregnant. And they're both uh, first time moms. So they're all excited, all the baby things, baby feelings, and, um, you know, wonder about all this stuff. And uh, one, of the, one of the other sex coordinators is a mom, and then, you know, there's, there's a dad in there too. And anyway, and then me, but we're talking about when that baby is born, and one of the, one of the current parents, they go, yeah, it's just so weird, because you'll sit there, and you'll have your baby, and you'll just stare at him. And you'll just be like, an hour and a half later, like, I'm still staring at this kid. Like, this is crazy. What's happened to me? You know? And when they said that, I was like, that is exactly right. <laughs> Every one of our kids, when they were just little, I would just be staring at them. And literally, one of the other parents, or one of the other would-be parents goes, what do you do for an hour and a half? And I go, I don't know. You're just, you're just fixated and you look at their eyes and their eyelids and their little lashes and then you look in their, their nostrils and the way their nose is formed and you look at the eyebrows and the ears you're like in the ear like there's a full-blown ear in there wow like, you look at the fingers the little fingers and the nails and you just you know what I mean all the little and they got like little fat rolls and you're like what the heck it's just stunning and the only reason that that's in us, the only reason that you're in love as a father when your kid comes out, the only reason that you're just like right there before your child is it's the imprint of God on you. Yes. That's how he is times a million. He made you to be before him. He's never going to get away from me. You're his kid. 
You're his child. You're his. He's saying, I want to be before you. I want you to be before me. I chose you to be, have you before me. And then it says, in love, he predestined us. And this is the point. It was the love of God brewing in the heart of God from eternity past that caused him to actualize you, caused him to lay down the track in your heart. I like to say it this way. There's a, there's a pre-programmed track in your heart that once you say yes, all of a sudden you, you get on this like, wonder of God's plan for you. It's shocking. And I can't tell you the number of times the divine appointment happened, the impossible thing happened, and I realized, man, I'm in, I'm in God mode. Not that I'm God, but I, my life is being directed by a sovereign hand. There's no way that that could possibly happen but God. It's his love that lays down this path that's the best, and it's what it means in Romans 8 when he says he works together all things for your good. And there is this marvelous, wondrous plan that God's got for you. That when you say yes to his will, you say yes to the cross, you get into this plan. And as long as you're saying yes, you're into that plan. It is shocking what he has for you. The dynamic ways that your life will impact others. The dynamic things that he'll allow you to encounter and, 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 and experience. Listen, the pains and the bliss. Be clear. You don't get to know what sweet is unless you taste bitter. C.S. Lewis has a book, um, The Problem of Pain or something like that. But it just talks about how God uses pain. He actually even uses difficulty and pain and hardship to get us to understand the wonder of the sweetness of himself. And I, you know, what's the alternative? People do this all the time. They shut themselves off from difficulty. They shut themselves off from pain. They don't want to feel. And, 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 and here's what I think. I think, man, I would rather feel the dregs. I would rather feel the pains of life and get, to, get a chance to love and really know love than shut myself off, no pain, no love. I'd rather love and have the pain of it than never love with people and with God. In love, he lays this thing down so that when we, when we say our yes to him, this thing begins to, to unwrap in our lives and all of a sudden we realize that there's this adoption thing. That's what it is. In love, he predestined us to adoption. That was the point of the chosenness to begin with. He's like, I want you to be my kid. I, I, cho I choose you to be my own. You know, um, if you're adopted in this room, you have a privilege that no, none of us who are living with our natural parents have. And it's just simply this, you were chosen by your parents. It was, you know, like with us, it's like you go and you find out, well, it's gonna be a boy or a girl and you get what you get. There it is. But the one that's been adopted, there's a choice in it. There's an action on behalf of the parent. They say, I want that one. And that, that thought that God in the eternal mind is enjoying the son 
and he actualizes you before he even makes time and he says to himself in within the Godhead, I want that one. I want Billy. I want him. I mean, I just walk, sometimes I walk around the prayer room and wonder like, you want this. You're, you're so much better than me. Like you're so much greater and more awesome. You want like this broken thing. He's like, you're exactly what I wanted. How? How? I'm love. Love must love. This is crazy. So I can either say yes to that wonderful well of love and fall all the way in, all the way to the bottom and just keep falling, falling, falling into love. Or I can go, no, I'm too bad to be loved. I'm not good enough to be loved. He goes, well, I kind of made you. So I kind of know what I wanted to love. And then this one, G. We're getting ready to land here. He says, because of the good pleasure of his will. This one. This one. We got all this chosenness before time to be before him, in love, adopted. Why? It's because the Father and the eternal mind, fellowship with the Son and the Spirit, is in this perfection of pleasure. And the way I imagine it is this God thinks to himself, what would make me the most happy? The good pleasure. What would please me the most? In other words, the good pleasure of his will. What do I want that will give me the most pleasure? And it's in that, that divine place of, of, of God in his, in his perfection and pleasure. He says, what do I want that would make me the most pleased, that would give me the most pleasure? And boom, your face pops in. And boom, my face pops in. And he actualizes you. He goes, I want, and just fill your name in. He goes, I want that one. Man, that, <laughs> that's everything to me. That is everything to me. I can't walk away from that. I, it, it blows my mind that believers actually walk away from God. I mean, what are they, what are they walking to? An ash heap and rubble and death? Meanwhile, I've got God who's been saying to me, I've been thinking about you from forever. And you're what makes me the happiest. You're the good pleasure of my will. And I'm like, God, I will live in that place of your good pleasure. I will live in that place of your desire. If you want me, you get me. You get all of me. You get all of my bad, all of my good. Have me. Have all of me and whatever you want to do with me. I'm yours. The good pleasure of his will. I say it in the notes. He considered the vast array of options under creation and determined that the greatest pleasure that could be brought to him would stem from having an intimate father-child relationship with you. He's made us accepted. This is before you ever did anything. Before time began. In the beloved, in Christ, he made you accepted. And that's the point I was making earlier about a father when he sees his kid born before that kid can lift a finger, before that kid can do anything for that father. The father is in love. And that is an imprint of our eternal father on that father. That's why he can feel that way. That's the only way. And so when we begin to see God a little bit like this, when we begin to just get a glimpse of the truth of his, his affections for us, 
It shifts the way we think. This revelation enables me to pray. This helps me to pray a million times more than the the difficulties of our world. Because I, I find that he wants me to be with him and then I can ask him, so what do you think about the difficulties of our world? And then he shares his heart with me and I go, yes. Yes, let's pray about that. Let me ask you to do what you want to do in that situation. But this, this lie about God that somehow he's aloof, somehow he's distant, somehow he doesn't care, somehow he's making you go through it on your own, somehow he's rejected you, somehow he's not affectionate towards you, that lie about him is complete garbage. And I'm telling you, you're going to find, I am so aware of this, and I'll end with this, we're going to be one half second into eternity, one millisecond into eternity, and we are going to find that we've believed so little of the love of God, so, so little of the truth of his affections for us. One millisecond in, we're going to walk in before him. He's going to have this gigantic smile on his face. I mean, just beaming with love and delight staring at us. And it's literally going to be like we're looking at him like, are you looking here? He's like, yes. And we're going to be like, what? We, me? He's, oh, yes. I've been waiting for forever to lay my physical eyes on you and have you look right back at me. You've been waiting for forever for me. He's, yes. And the Bible says, Ephesians 2 says, that in the ages to come, he might show us the riches of his kindness and grace Forever. And literally day one, we're going to walk in and we're going to go, what are we doing today? He goes, I'm going to be so kind to you. I'm going to overwhelm you with my love. And we're going to, okay. And we're going to have the best day ever. Come back day two. We're like, well, that was the best day ever. And there's God going to be staring at us. And we're going to be like, wow. You're really looking right at me. He's like, oh, yeah. And he's going to, you don't get it. I've been waiting for forever. And I'm going to go, okay. And he's going to, and I'll go, well, what are we doing today? He goes, I'm going to be really kind to you again today. I'm going to show you the riches of my grace. And we're going to do wild stuff that I can't even dream of, infinite and eternal, and my love meters and my pleasure centers are all going to pins at 10. And I'm going to be like, with my face peeling back, this is awesome. And then I'm going to go to bed, which you don't go to bed, but I'm going to go to bed, I'm going to come back the next day. And I'm going to look at him, and he's going to be right there. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm looking at you. Huh? Yeah. You're looking at me still? Okay. What are we doing? He goes, we're going to have fun today. I'm like, what? Yeah. Because I've been thinking about you from forever. Because I want you before me in love. I want to make you my son. Because according to the good pleasure of my will, you were what I wanted the most. And a million years in, we're going to walk before him and he's going to be like, ah, there you are. And we're going to go, wait, you're still looking at me? Yeah, we're just getting started. Because a million years in, we're not one inch closer to exhausting forever. And it's not some non-tactile, you know, floating on the cloud, wearing a toga, harp, angel experience. 
It's going to be very real, very tactile, very, you know, uh, engaged and, and literal, physical. Encounter with the uncreated God, the one who is pleasure, the one who is love. This is why he made you. That's what the cross was about. That's why the universe is here. That's why that sun heats our planet just right. He made you to love you. That's what this is about. And I'm telling you, all of your life is summed up in that. Obedience and love, that's it. That's it. Hmm. Thanks, Lord. I'm so thankful. So grateful, God. Lord, help us to get cleared out of every orphan mentality every shred of a servant mentality. We've made ourselves your slaves and you wanted sons. Lord, emphasize to us that you made us to love us. You made us to love us. You made us to love us. Not to do anything for you or perform, to try to work to get into your good graces. You made us to love us. And untie the knots in our soul. Lord, we've had negative images of you. I'm asking that you would show us the reality, the real. Come, Holy Spirit. Just stay there just for a moment. You know, some of you, you've got negative images of God from the father figures that you've had, maybe your own dad. And you're thinking, God, why did I have that negative image? Because this father I had, he's nothing like you. And it's hard for me to overcome. I remember I asked, I asked the Lord something similar years ago. He, uh, he reminded me when I was little, we used to take the film from our cameras. We would take it to get developed. And when they would give us back these colored pictures, they also gave us back the film. But the film is called a negative. And it, it took the negative to create the full color image. And God says, if you'll let my light shine through the negative, you'll see I'm exactly opposite of that. You'll see everything that I'm not, and you'll find everything that I am. So Lord, I pray you'd shine right through the good images of God, the bad images of God. You'd shine right through and you teach us of your nature. Mm -hmm. Teach us of your ways. Teach us of your heart. Let us see as you see. See you as you are. And let us see ourselves as beloved sons and daughters. We want to come out of an orphan spirit, orphan mentality. We want to come out of everything that's holding us back from your love. We want to be free in love. Free in love. Free in love, confident in love. Do it in us, we ask, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Love you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. All right, awesome.